the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 89 of The Video Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. We've got an exciting interview with author Landon Beach and well-known, well-loved audiobook narrator Scott Brick. They have created a wonderful book and audiobook called Narrator. And without giving too much away, as I was sort of preparing for the interview and listening to the book, I made a glowing review. So I feel like that's the best way to describe this book. A labor of love, a love song to audiobook narration, acting, actors, authors, thrillers, noir, media, and literature. Reverent and referential, an insightful inside look at the audiobook industry, loosely but lovingly inspired by actual industry practices, events, and well-known narrators. If you love listening to audiobooks, are a fledgling or experienced narrator yourself, or you just love Scott Brick, there's plenty of nuggets and Easter eggs here for you to enjoy. Yeah, I really enjoyed the interview, and I was so looking forward to it because it's been a while since I, I've listened to a book all the way through, honestly. I used to do it a lot when I was working in an office, mm. and I haven't had the time really to listen to an entire audiobook in a while. But I did for this one because it was so engrossing, and like you mentioned in your review, the Easter eggs are fantastic. And we'll talk about that in the interview, how so many of our friends and industry features and publications that we've talked about in the show for years, and one's even a sponsor of the show, uh, they're in the book as well, and I really enjoyed all those. Yeah, like you said, it's funny because, I mean, used to listen to so many audiobooks. Like, I mean, before I was pursuing voiceover more, or like professionally, because, I mean, I had the time. But, and I was also doing like a 90-minute commute twice a day for my teaching job. But, like you said, this really kind of like, I fell back in love with listening to audiobooks, and I really, really enjoyed listening to Scott, although he, he's a master of stream of consciousness. Like, it didn't help that the character's name was Sean, but there were times I was, like, listening in the quiet dark of night, and I was like, oh, I'm not talking to myself. I'm listening to a book. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was but, really, really great the way he, uh, like you said, he had that the constant sort of inner monologue going. Yeah, it's interesting. Like we talk about this a lot when when I work with people trying to do audiobook narration or it's not without emotion or expressiveness, but it's not it's a very contained intensity, right? Especially when you're doing levels of consciousness and in narrative distance and dialogue and internal monologue. And Scott's just it's just a masterclass. So as you can tell, we enjoyed the book and the interview as well. And you will too in just a few moments right after we get to our VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So Sean, what's happening in your VO world? Well, very little, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> because um, it's that time of year. Um, despite my best efforts, I got a really bad cold that kind of knocked me on my butt for a couple of weeks, actually. And, and at first, it, it was just, it really sucked because I was actually going to teach 
in American accents class for a local theater school out of Washington. And I had to cancel it because by the end of the se or the first class, I couldn't talk anymore, <laughs> like, let alone for eight hours of instruction. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we had to, to move it back a month. But luckily, everyone was still like, nobody wanted their money back. They just wanted to do the class eventually. So that was good. Um, and then on top of that, I've just been trying to throw all the tricks that I know, like using uh, vocal ease, uh, vocal spray, you having throat coat. I found this lovely juice, like carrot, turmeric, and ginger. It's very anti-inflammatory, uh, trying to, to ease my symptoms long enough to do auditions and some e-learning projects. But But yeah. Just a reminder, a PSA for you guys, take care of yourselves, bundle up, wear a mask when you go out, be selective with your, like, with your social groups as you travel this holiday, and just be careful. Remember, as actors, your body is your tool and your moneymaker, so take good care of it. Did you try the lung brush, by the way? Ew, that sounds awful. No. <laughs> that was an old uh, Saturday Night Live skit back in the 80s when people were still smoking a lot. So gotcha. I think it was Phil okay. Hartman, and it was based the tagline was like, smoke all you want and use the lung brush. And it was this giant pipe cleaner that people would stick down their throat and then pull <laughs> it out, and it was full of just soot and dirt. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a step classic. in time, step in time, cleaning out the lung and grime. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, kind of like that. It's like all those those fake PSAs Phil mm, Hartman did on The mm. Simpsons, um, like smoke yourself thin and get oh smart, God. stupid. <laughs> you might remember me from such PSAs. Exactly. As... <laughs> Troy McClure. Indeed. But anyway, it was that same voice, and he's pimping the lung brush to clean out your lungs so you can keep smoking as much as you want. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. All <laughs> and it works for COVID now, too. Camel cigarettes. <laughs> just oh, man. Good times. Rest in peace, Phil Hartman. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's me just trying to survive and with like a foggy brain and like congested lungs. But uh, how about you, Paul? I've got a couple things going on. Uh, first of all, on the sort of fun front, I don't think I've, we've talked about this because I don't think we've had an episode since Halloween. But as part of my work with VO Rep, the voiceover repertory company, which you can find at VORep.net. So we put out a series of Halloween 911 calls. So they're basically imagining what the call would be like from a participant in a famous horror movie to the 911 call center. So we did Psycho and the uh, Human Centipede. We did, what else, Halloween. We did Poltergeist and Seven. And uh, it was me, Ken Foster, Tara Langella, Steve Weintz, and Marisha Tapera who recently joined the group. And we all did a couple of these great 911 calls. They're all about a minute and a half to three minutes. You can go again and find those at vorep.net, or we have a YouTube channel or Instagram. And the one I'm most proud of is the Poltergeist, because that's Ken as a 911 operator. And then, no, I'm sorry, Marisha is a 911 operator. Ken is a police officer who finds everybody at the scene. I play a TV repairman. And my daughter is playing the voice in the TV, which is sort of based around the character Carol Ann, if you ever saw the movie. So she's the one saying, they're here in the that's TV. That's immediately what I was thinking. That's awesome. So yeah, that was that was on the sort of fun front. Uh, we we had a lot of fun creating those. Work-wise, I am producing a couple of audiobooks for Twin Flame Studios. I just wrapped one with uh, Jesse Cole, who's the owner and founder of the Savannah Bananas, the baseball team. That's that'll be coming out soon. And I'm recording an audiobook. I haven't actually done one as a narrator in a while, so this is pretty cool. It's called Nosy Neighbors. It's by Nina Slons. 
and it's a mystery based in a small town. It doesn't really say where it is, sort of like Simpson-esque again, where like we already mentioned the Simpsons once this episode, but it doesn't really say exactly what state it's in, or I guess even what country, but small town with a bunch of gossipy neighbors watching the goings-on in this thriller that happens in one of the houses. So I just started it, did chapter one today, and that'll be coming out soon. And then I'm doing a plethora of live events, sports announcing. It, we're wrapping up the fall season, so I'm still doing volleyball and field hockey and basketball. Bas- basketball is actually a winter sport, so I did a, a basketball doubleheader on Saturday and started wrestling, which is another winter sport. And let's see, I guess that's it for now, but this past weekend was pretty crazy because I had the NCAA regionals for field hockey, which that was kind of cool because I'd never done an NCAA tournament game before. I've done lots of big games for for different schools, but this was a, a tournament game for field hockey. And the Maryland Terrapins, who was the host, won and went to the Final Four. So I'm pretty excited for, for those ladies. And then on Saturday, after that, after that doubleheader on Friday, I went and did a doubleheader basketball game for Stevenson University. And then Sunday, I was back down to the Naval Academy for volleyball. I'll be there again tomorrow. And then finish out the volleyball season for Maryland with two games this weekend. So busy, busy, busy. I've actually been posting all these things on Instagram and Facebook, and I've adopted the hashtag hardest working man in PA. Because I feel like I'm, I'm <laughs> just it. nonstop awesome. right now. <laughs> well, that's great. I love, I mean, we've talked about it before. I remember about a year ago when this, like you had kind of discovered this niche and it started picking up steam and it hasn't stopped. Yeah, I kind of just keep adding events. And it's funny because, you know, when we first started the podcast, I had sort of been uh, unceremoniously retired. I didn't choose to, to quit, but the school I worked for had a new athletic director and went in a different direction. So I thought I was done and it had been about, 10 to 12 years since the last game I did. And we had a podcast episode, which we, what we call the public address or live announce roundtable. We had something like seven or eight announcers from all over the country that did different, different size events from college sports to professional baseball to NASCAR. And I hadn't, I still hadn't done any jobs because this, this episode was probably five years ago now and hadn't done a job, like, like you said, until last year where I got one, and then suddenly people started hearing me, I guess, and referring me to other places. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but a lot of them have come from Bob Johnson, who's a friend of the show, and mm-hmm. become a great friend, who's referred me to several different jobs, and that helps. But yeah, I just keep snowballing, and I'm not complaining. I, I love the work, and it's one of my favorite things to do, just because I love the atmosphere, I love the energy, but uh, it can be a little bit a little bit tiring. So last night I kind of came home and crashed, and my voice is probably still a little hoarse. You can probably hear it, the combination of the five events over the weekend plus an audiobook uh an audiobook production day it's been a little rough so i kind of sound like yeah. you actually <laughs> well as long as you're not sick i'm glad it's just more for from exhaustion but but good on you man i'm like i said uh it's well deserved and and like it's wonderful that you found a niche that's so appropriate for you yeah i appreciate it thank you uh, lastly, before we move on, I just want to do a quick note of respect for the late and great Kevin Conroy. He voiced Batman and Bruce Wayne in a variety of properties since the early 90s. Um, perhaps the longest uh, associated or association that an actor has had with such an iconic character like Batman. I know for me, he's definitely the voice that I hear in my head whenever I read Batman's lines in a comic or in a, uh, an audition. And... I just wanted to say thank you to Kevin and, and those in who care about him for all of the years of just amazing talent and professionalism as an actor. 
Yeah, sorry to hear about his passing. I'm ashamed to say I didn't really know that he was the voice of Batman, but I've heard his work, obviously, more times than I can even think. Even last week, my son was watching something in the family room. I came in, and it was a Batman movie, or he was the voice. So, uh, sorry to hear about his passing, and prayers to his family and friends. Yeah, well, and if you've never watched any of those things, you can check it out. Um, definitely, like, the animated series, uh, the four seasons of it is fantastic. Justice League as well, and Justice League Unlimited. Um, some films that he's in that were quite good were Mask of the Phantasm, uh, Sub-Zero, and uh, Assault on Arkham, if you want a good Suicide Squad movie that you can enjoy. Um, so, and lastly, I mean, obviously it was very instrumental for me in my career, and just a quick story. Over the pandemic, GalaxyCon, like y'all know, I like going to Comic-Cons and, and meeting voice actors and getting signatures and stuff like that. Well, GalaxyCon was kind of providing a remote experience, doing these sort of online panels that people could join in and also allowing people to send in stuff for actors to sign. I was like, well, why the heck not? And and with the uncertainty of the pandemic and just trying to meet certain actors that I hadn't gotten to interact with, I was like, why the heck not? I have a Justice League print. Send it to Kevin. And so I did. And I wrote a little note on there just saying, thank you for reaching deep into the wellspring of imagination and pulling out the voice we all hear in our heads. You are Batman. And just wanting to thank him for all of his work, you know. And so I get the the signed print back a few weeks later, and then there's an additional signed headshot of his. And it just says, Sean, thank you for the kind note, Kevin. And so now I have both of those displaying in a place of honor in, in my collection next to a animated Batman figure and some of my other Bat family figures. So uh, again, Kevin, you will not be forgotten for your talent or your kindness, and just thank you again. Well said, Sean. Thank you for that. So we'll get to our interview with Scott Brick and Landon Beach in just a few moments. Right after our... Questionable Gear Purchase. Well, surprisingly, I literally haven't bought or sold anything in the last couple of weeks since our last episode. I know it's hard to believe, but it's actually true. Uh, Sean, what about you? It's like, perhaps more surprisingly, neither have I. But <laughs> um, yeah, I've just kind of been getting familiar with some of the new equipment. Uh, I mentioned last time I replaced my, my mobile like web conferencing setup. I was using an Apogee Mic Plus for a very long time, and I just I wanted to try something new. So I sold that and then and replaced it with the uh, Rode VideoMic NTG. And um, I don't know, I was we were talking about before, I was a little frustrated with their shock mount solution for that mic because it's kind of it's designed to work with a camera um or or uh to be mounted directly to a camera but it does have certain adapters that allow it to be used with say a boom arm or or like a traditional mic stand but the one it comes with is kind of for that for the mic stand but i had actually intended it for my desktop tripod which uses the camera mount so i was just like gun but uh, I'm sure if I can like figure out how to remove that ring, I can get it to fit. But I was also kind of commiserating with a fellow talent about some of Rhodes' proprietary shock mounts that they offer with, like I said, the camera style one. There's also the pistol grip style that comes with the NTG5. 
And that's great if that if you don't have a shock mount, but it's very large. And if you're not doing outdoor work and you don't really need a pistol grip style shock mount, it can kind of be more cumbersome and excess to requirements, you know. So that's been interesting. Been trying to figure out how to integrate that into the setup. Also looking into setting up my first monitor speakers. And if you're used to working with headphones. There's a lot of thought that goes into this. Like, for example, I found out that where you place your desk is extremely important because you don't want to build up frequencies on one side versus the other, or you don't want to muddy your sound by putting it into a corner and building up that bass buildup. And、um, luckily, the monitors I got, the the Personas Aris E5s, they do have some equalization controls to to tame bass buildup if you do put them in a corner. If you can't help but putting them close to a、Nobody、wall. Personas in a corner. What's that? <laughs> said nobody puts personas in a corner. Nobody puts personas in a corner. <laughs> the old Dirty Dancing reference. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Got to have a Kevin Bacon reference in here somehow. Patrick Swayze. Oh, that's right. Dang it! I always get that one in Footloose.、Confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, <laughs> Both dancing. Anyways, I'm glad you you got what I was trying to say. But but anyways,、um, yeah. So nobody puts personas in a corner, and yeah. So it's. I'm kind of readjusting the blueprint for the studio, like the booth itself, and a lot of the acoustic paneling is is set. But I'm still kind of figuring out how I want to space out my desk and make this into a true, like I don't know, a true professional studio. Bunny ears. Anyways,、mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a really fun process, and it's just so nice to have such a large. Quiet space that I can move around in, and, and it's. I'm definitely noticing an improvement in my performances. I'm making bolder, more dynamic choices, and it just sounds more comfortable in my reads. Well, that's awesome. Hopefully, you can figure out the shock mount for the for the road. But I'm glad you're enjoying your your open space, so to speak. Indeed, indeed, it's been very nice. Well, that wraps up our questionable gear purchases, short and sweet this month. We'll get to our interview in just a few moments, but I want to first talk about Voice One Two Three. A promotion we still have going on. So if you are a new member to Voice One Two Three, you can actually save fifteen percent on any of their plans by going to www.vometer.com, selecting our sponsors page, and then clicking on the Voice One Two Three banner ad that has a big honking logo that says "Click here to save fifteen percent." Click on that, follow the link, and you can save on any of their plans from the lowest price to the highest price. And again, you have to be a new member in order for this to work. But we'd appreciate your support. And you can take advantage of the savings right before the holidays. Walgreens, because it's flu season. You live in a place with doorknobs and handrails, and you know, people. You tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah. What hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. 
Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. How many times does this happen to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking, not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking, not unlike myself, and you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist, because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. We are super excited to have this author and narrator combination. It's rare that we get to talk to both at once, and we're super excited to bring you both Landon Beach and Scott Brick. So Landon Beach was born and raised in Michigan, but now lives in the Sunshine State with his wife, two children, and their golden retriever. He previously served as a naval officer and was an educator for 15 years before becoming a full-time writer. He is also the award-winning author of Huron Breeze, which was named Mystery of the Year for 2022 by BestThrillers.com. We are also proud to welcome back Scott Brick. He has narrated bestsellers and Pulitzer Prize winners for every major publisher, over 1,000 titles since his debut in 1999, including Jurassic Park, The Hunt for Red October, In Cold Blood, and many more. In addition to two Grammy nominations, eight voice awards, and over 60 earphones awards, he's also received seven audio awards, including two for his work on the Dune Saga. In 2004, Audiophile Magazine named Brick one of the fastest rising stars in the audiobook galaxy. And in 2017, he was an inaugural inductee into Audible's Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, please join us in welcoming Landon Beach and Scott Brick. Hey guys, thanks for having us on. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to talk to you guys again. You too, Scott. And Landon, welcome. So, gentlemen, Sean and I both thoroughly enjoyed this book. Uh, full disclosure, we're both narrators as well. And there's a lot of sort of Easter eggs in the book that we both thoroughly enjoyed. But overall, the book was fantastic. I left a glowing review on, on Audible. Uh, I know Sean has written a review as well. And we couldn't be more happy to have you both here. Oh, that's great to hear, Paul. I'm just so glad that you like the like the book and, and you too, Sean. Well, absolutely. I mean, in, in my review, I described it as a love song to, to narrators and actors and writers and pretty much all of media and literature because you guys drew from everything, like, like old <laughs> like thriller noirs, comic books, modern movies and slang. It's just so meta and just pumped full of zeitgeist. I love it. <laughs> so I got to know, what inspired this, Landon? So for a long time, I have wanted to do a book about the entertainment industry. And I've always been particular to thrillers, but I could never figure out a way to do it. I couldn't figure out um, a plot or a character that would make it new and fresh and exciting because so much has been done from disc jockeys to actors, actresses, and novelists. And so 
I knew that um, because of my appreciation of the genre, I had studied film, and I think I had four films that stuck out in my mind throughout the years, and they were Vertigo, Play Misty for Me, Misery, and A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a short story that I used to teach when I was an educator called The Continuity of Parks by Julio Cortazar. And I guess the best way to f- put it is I had this soup of those ingredients uh, going around in my head for years, um, but still could not figure out a way um, to get a storyline or something uh, that would differentiate from what's already been done until I started working with Scott. And it was after we did our first three books together and became closer friends and started to collaborate and talk a little bit more, you know, about our interests and, and things of that nature that I said, you know, I don't think anyone's ever done a thriller with an audiobook narrator as the main character uh, set within the framework of a psychological thriller. And I thought, I think I can make that work. And that'll be something that the audience hasn't seen before. Um, what you said in the opening, I mean, just very generous and kind of you, but it did end up being sort of a love letter from me to just storytelling um, from my days being a teacher uh, with language arts students uh, for you know over a decade, just to reading out loud to my children um, and just my love of story growing up. Um, it all kind of came together uh, in, a, in a most unusual way, I would say. But that, that's where the, that was the genesis of the idea. Well, I think it's sort of the perfect time for this book. I feel like, and I may be more insulated because I am a narrator as well, but I feel like within the last couple of years to even maybe the pandemic pushed us into this sort of time in our, in our business, I think now is the time of the superstar narrator. It's Scott, of course, being one of them. So did you write this book specifically with Scott in mind? Or was it overall the narrator experience as a whole and then Scott was just one of the people who auditioned? So I would say that my work on creating the character of Sean Frost was putting together everything from a variety of narrators that I had studied and getting ready for the book. But I can't deny that Scott is a wonderful friend of mine and I thought that he was the perfect person to play Sean Frost. So Scott Brick is not Sean Frost, but I thought (laughs) that his background and what he's able to bring, especially because the book is told in first person present and and Scott's ability to invite you into the story and get inside the head of someone, uh, you know, it's just second to none to me. And so I thought this is the perfect opportunity for us to collaborate and work on this together. And I couldn't be happier with what he did to bring Sean to life. So it was a little bit of a little bit of everything that went into it. But if I had five different narrators for my first five books, uh, I would have still gone with Scott for this one. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And it was an excellent choice. And and even though it was a composite, I couldn't help but notice that Sean shared some routines with Scott, for example, like in how he can <laughs> <laughs> records a book and, and some of the interview responses he might give. So for you, Scott, what was it like narrating such a self-referential and, and meta book? I mean, about an industry and a vocation that you're so involved with. Well, you just used the exact two words that I uh, I always use whenever I talk about this book. It's so freaking meta. <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm like, there's, <laughs> there are times that I found myself narrating my own lines. And what I mean by that is uh, Landon 
we we had a a zoom chat uh, essentially it was an interview to find out about you know what was going on you know how how audiobooks are made and i said a few things not realizing you know they might ultimately wind up in the book one day and, <laughs> and at one point at one point uh sean frost is is asked about you know what's it like being an a famous audiobook narrator. And he said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm probably paraphrasing here, but it, Sean says, you know, somebody asked me one time what it's like being a famous audiobook narrator. And I'm reminded that a colleague of mine once said, it's like being the tallest midget in the room. I remember that. <laughs> and and <laughs> I wish, and that's me, okay? That's just me. That's me saying my own, my very own you know, standard response to it. And I really wish I had been more polite and said, you know, little person instead of midget, sorry. Um, but I'm sitting there going, oh my God, that's me. He said, it's a colleague of his. That's me. Because if Sean Frost is a narrator, then he is my colleague. I am his colleague. Oh my God, that's me. And just, just, I name dropped myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It kept happening throughout the book, and it just it just tickled me no end. Well, along those well, lines, I, I... Uh, for you, Scott, well, first for Landon, how long did it take to research and write the book? And then, Scott, how many of those real-life illusions were your idea? Did you contribute contribute at all to the name-dropping of some of our friends in the industry? And did you contact those people to let them know they'd be featured, or is it more of a surprise? So in terms of the research it was probably between 12 and 18 months. And I say that time frame just because it was stealing a couple hours here. I wasn't a full-time writer at that point. A couple hours after everyone's gone to bed, going to the library, waking up way early in the morning, having too much coffee and shaking, <laughs> doing research um, before the day got going. And so you know, and I wanted to bring that authenticity to it. And that's before I ever spoke to Scott at all about the project. It was a complete surprise uh, for him when we had that pre-recording Zoom, which was actually for another book that he was about to record for me. And then the last thing I'll say before, you know, Scott weighs in is that there were some collaborative instances with the Easter eggs uh, in the book, uh, just because he knows the industry a lot more than I do. But I was able to put a few of those in uh, on my own that I had found that I said that that might be neat. One I'll drop right now is Daniela Asatelli's, you know, community uh, that she has uh, online um, of the narrator's cup of Joe that was you know foundational in my research and I was just blown away by you know the generosity and the friendships that were there and the sharing of ideas and so I said this has to be in the in the book yeah you did such a wonderful job of like like you said just filling it with easter eggs and one of the things that I loved is just we were talking about how meta and just multifaceted and layered this book is and how you like just adeptly switch between narrator and layer and layer of story. It's almost like that scene in What Dreams May Come when you just see all the faces in purgatory and you think it's a very superficial layer and then it just goes down for miles. It's just, it, it was incredible. No, I, I, what I really appreciated about Landon's 
his work on this book what was the research as he's been talking about but also his willingness to listen to feedback because online if you let's say you were to you know try to become a new narrator and you know you would use terms like okay i'm looking for a good coach i'm looking for a good director and and then sometimes they become almost interchangeable those two words and there was a moment when uh, a moment in the book, I think uh, you guys may remember it, he talks about, the character, Sean Frost, talks about you know, having worked with the best directors in the industry. Landon had done such exemplary research that he listed, you know, six or eight people. And I'm like, how the hell do you know these people's names, right? But I emailed him back and said, just FYI, these people are coaches they're not re they don't really direct people in in studio and maybe i'm wrong maybe they have you know me i i personally have directed i think you know one audiobook in my life and yet i still get referred to as a as an audiobook director i'm not and so i just i gave them a couple of names and next thing i know boom you know he 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 makes the change and he just had that much attention to detail he wanted to be true to the source material and um that was uh, it was thrilling to be able to have uh that kind of input frankly well one thing i would say too guys is when we got to the end of the book and this is as an author you know you wake up with cold sweats in the middle of the night wondering did i get this right because scott has said you know his friend dan musselman talked to him about you know if you get 99% of you know the words right in a book you can get right. wrong and take them out of the experience I was in the same place where I'm like, I, I want this to be for the general fan where you get taken away on this journey and this psychological thriller. But also, too, I wanted people in the industry not to get taken out of the experience and to appreciate it from that standpoint. And we were right down to crunch time. And I I don't know why, but I went over it one more time and I looked and I said, you know, I've got sean frost hitting the record button and i think probably to 99 percent of people they'd be like oh yeah you, you sit in your booth you hit record but i contacted scott and i said do you really hit record is there a button and, and he said and he said you know what there isn't and you know scott yeah. if you want to add to that but that was a big thing i'm like oh my god there's not a record button i had that in here four times <laughs> Well, but the, and and yeah, that's what I loved. I mean, this is a week before the book goes live, right? Because you know the audio and the and the and the e version were going to come out on the same day. You know, all the versions were going to be, you know, the a copub as we say. And it's a week beforehand. I've I recorded the book a month ago at this point, and he said, and it, it just occurred to him, and he goes is this a thing? Do you ever say I hit the record button? And I and and so we're chatting and I'm like, well, I hit the number three on my keypad, uh, on my keyboard, uh, because, you know, it's a macro on, on in, in my system, uh, but it's not hardware, it's software. And so he goes, oh, would it be more accurate? Do you ever say I hit record is that in the vernacular and i'm like yes absolutely boom he makes the change That's and awesome. uh again yeah you know you get one word 
you get one freaking word wrong and it takes people right out of the experience and and frankly the people who are listening to this book maybe one percent of them maybe one percent of them will be you know voiceover people but for those people it would take them out of the experience but that was such was the dedication of you know landon and his desire to make sure that nobody got taken out of the experience yeah, I have I to say, uh, Sean and I are both tech geeks. It's kind of how this podcast started. And I kept waiting. I kept listening for the gotchas when you were describing, when Sean is describing his booth and his process and the soundproofing materials. And I was like, nope, no, that's right. Yeah, that's right, too. Yeah, that's right. No, at no time did I, did I get taken out of it whatsoever. So I, I didn't know those. that about the open container causing reflections, though. I yes. learned something new. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Look, I, you know, I, I have, uh, I will quite often, for many years, I would bring in a, uh, a teacup, you know, a coffee cup, a mug, you know, and somebody pointed out to me about 15 years ago that just the the open, the openness, you know, just the uh, shape the of the Surface of the mug, liquid, yeah. Yeah, uh, that it creates a little extra bit of resonance you know, or echo. And so what I did is I, I started bringing in these Contigo ones that are, you know, frankly, it's much better for keeping, you know, my tea hot, but it also, you know, it's covered. So, uh, so I don't do that anymore. Well, getting super geeky, the, the amount of water in the cup actually will resonate at a certain frequency. And if that yep. matches part of your voice, then that would be a huge problem. So, I know we're, totally. we're again talking to the one percent, but those people listen to this podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a much. thing. Yeah, it is. But it's a thing, and it adds. It adds. Um, well, I can use a word like you know, verisimilitude, because you know, I read books. He's <laughs> <laughs> so loquacious, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Verisimilitude and loquacious within 30 seconds. What other podcast can we get these kind of references? Well, like I said in my review, Scott, and, and it doesn't help that the eponymous character has the same name as me, but like I was quietly listening in the dark and then you're going down a stream of consciousness. I was like, oh, crap, I'm listening to a book. I'm not talking to myself. What's going on? <laughs> but hey, um, listen plenty of things especially when they got into the money that you know sean frost makes i was like boy i wish i was talking about myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? i i had been saying i am not sean frost i am scott brick i'm not sean frost and yet ooh, at this point i really wish i was <laughs> i know i know he lives such a luxurious rock and roll lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's one of the things I loved about this book. We keep talking about how layered and multifaceted it was. And honestly, Landon, to hear that you did so much of that research single-handedly, I'm just blown away. It's like a whole community wrote this book. It really does seem that collaborative um, and, 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 and well and thorough. And, and what I love about this book is that, like you guys said, it's enjoyable for a variety of audiences right like if you just want a fun thriller uh with elements of absurdity uh you got that if you want to learn about being an audiobook narrator or the audiobook industry it's got so many nuggets and easter eggs about that too and i love that you even joke or there's a character and there's like you really should write a book about this sean slash scott and you kind of did <laughs> like already so it's wonderful well I, I tell you what i don't know if this book would have existed 
had Scott and I not become friends. I mean, we had a wonderful professional working relationship, but there was something about when we clicked and became friends and that this idea came to me that I'm not going to say that, you know, it was, it drove me personally, but when I got the idea, I said, you know, I have so much respect for this guy and he's my friend that I want to make sure that we get this, we get this right. And I put in more hours, um, more sleepless nights, more work to make this, you know, whatever it became, because uh, I I knew that this was going to be a book about, you know, turf that a lot of people don't know anything about. I still have people that are emailing me, you know, three months now after the book has come out saying, I I had no idea about audio books. They just take for granted that someone is reading them this, you know, nice book in their, you know, earphones. But that's, that was probably the thing. Um, Because Scott and I have said to each other, you know, a lot of times you hear artists or whatnot say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on this. Uh, What have you got going? And then it's five years later and you go, hey, did you ever do that? And they're like, "Um, no, was I talking about that idea? (laughs) But but this one, it it did come together somehow in a very short span of intense work together. And it was, I don't know, it's something I won't forget. I have to say, um, uh, while working on this book, I, I was reminded constantly of the film Chasing Amy, uh, the Kevin Smith film. Mm-hmm. And and Landon and I haven't really, I don't think we've ever even spoken about this. I knew Kevin uh, uh, a number of years ago. I worked in the comic book industry, and I had to interview him a few times. They flew me out to hang out at his place in New Jersey. He's out here in L.A. now, but... Um, what I remember about that film was that, uh, you know, Ben Affleck and uh, uh, Jason. Um, yes. Thank you. It was about the creation of comic books, right? Which was an industry that I was working in at the time. And I will never forget Siskel and Ebert. Remember them? Mm-hmm. Uh, Siskel and Ebert doing their show at the movies, uh, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. And Roger Ebert gave it a wild, wildly enthusiastic thumbs up because he said, I don't care what the industry that was portrayed in the film was. Uh, it could have been about truck driving. It could have been about, you know, operating a turret lathe in a machine shop. You know, I loved learning how this is done. He says he was equally as fascinated by the details about the nuances of you know creating a comic book as he was about the love story at its center and that i think that's what people respond to a great deal because i have people asking me all the time what's it like in the studio and it was like i all i always ask well what's it like at your job well there's a lot of sitting around yeah me too Hmm. there's a lot of waiting yeah me too you know and then you then we just start doing our job. Yeah, me too. But um, but still, it's that it's the peek behind the curtain that uh, I think has really um, triggered people's response to this book. And look, I'm I'm grateful for it. So we're almost out of time. I want to ask one more question. Talking about the peek behind the curtain, there's a certain passage in the book that mentions industry podcasts or web shows that the character is going to be interviewed on. Uh, and I'm wondering, where was the VO meter in that passage? (laughs) (laughs) 
totally tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, gentlemen, uh, it's been fantastic having you on. The book is Narrator. It's available anywhere you can you can find fine books, uh, audiobooks. I highly recommend you download it or buy it, read it or listen to it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's great to hear. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Sean, uh, so much. Our pleasure. It was truly an enjoyable work, and there's something for everyone in it, I think. Thank you both so much. Oh, thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Hey, Paul, did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. VoiceActorWebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. And we're back. Thanks again to Landon and Scott. Oh, it was so nice to talk to you guys. We've we've had the pleasure of having Scott on a couple of times, but uh, usually it was as a panelist. So it was nice for it to give him the spotlight and, and, and talk about this awesome book that's just so, I don't know, so fondly reverent of the audiobook industry. Yeah, and I just want to say how thankful I am to Scott for coming on. And it's not by accident. We, we've cultivated this relationship over the last couple of years. Scott has become a friend, honestly. And it was kind of funny when we actually got this interview because Landon reached out to us, which, again, flabbergasts us that people are reaching out to us for interviews. Our last two guests have actually reached out to us to ask to be on the show, including Landon. And when I heard it was Scott Brick who had narrated the book, I said, well, why don't you just come on with Scott? Because Sean and I are both friends with him, and we'd love to talk again. And ho- I was crossing my fingers, hoping Scott would say yes. Because <laughs> I, <know>, right? <laughs> I was thinking to myself, I think we're friends. But um, Landon e- emailed Scott or contacted him, and of course Scott said yes, because he's such a gracious guy. 
and it was great mm-hmm. to have them both on. It was good catching up. It was almost like like talking to a long last. It was talking to a long last friend. I haven't seen Scott in like three years in person because of this stupid pandemic. So it was great mm-hmm. to at least see him on video. Yeah, it was, and and it was like no time had passed at all. But yeah, it was it was really good to see Scott and Landon, and again, we're just pleased as punch about the book, and hope you guys will go check it out. Yeah, again, the book is called Narrator. You can get it at any book retailer or audiobook retailer. Obviously, Amazon is the big one. It's definitely available there and on Audible. That's where I got it, and you'll enjoy every minute of it. I can almost guarantee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very nice. So that wraps up this episode so, of the VO Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. We want to encourage you to tell your friends about the show, because right now we are sitting at just over 94,000 lifetime downloads, and we'd love to get to that 100,000K mark as soon as possible, maybe before the new year, sort of a... a end-of-year resolution, if that's a thing. So tell your friends, get them to go to the website, vometer.com, or get us on any of their pod-catching apps, like Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We'd love to to get to that 100,000 mark as soon as possible. We so appreciate your support. I mean, we're already flabbergasted at 94,000, but we'll be like meta-flabbergasted at 100K. So we really, please get the word out. We'd love your support. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter.